Okay, we were talking about last time uh, the concept of how to set, we started talking about the concept of how to set rules, how to set boundaries, and uh, the way it has to come across. There's very three important uh, points in understanding which are very essential to Chinuch. And therefore, that's something which a person, a parent, always has to bear in mind. The first one is that when you're talking about a child, definitely little children, but it's true for older children too, the first thing to remember is that something which is partial to you as the parent is before not partial to the child. You, you take something for granted as being so obvious that you don't even think someone would think differently to you. But you must remember, for a child, that's not obvious at all. He's never learned that. He never, he never understood that. He never, no one ever taught it to him. So from his point of view, he doesn't see any difference. He doesn't see any reason why this should be different than anything else. For example, most, uh, most every adult will think it's, a, it's an absolutely obvious thing. You don't put your fingers into an electric socket, Right? You want to put your finger up the tap, do what you like, but don't put your finger in the electric socket because for us as adults, it's completely obvious what the difference is. This is a kind of that does nothing. For the kid, a little child, he has no difference. He doesn't understand that. So for him, he doesn't understand why, what's, what's wrong with the one and what's okay with the other one. In other words, uh, he wants to put his finger in the tap. No one's going to mind. He wants to put his finger in the in this outlet. Of course. What's the difference? Now you think, like, what's wrong with him? Doesn't he understand? No, he doesn't understand. It's just a good example. Right? Uh, Children can do things, little children can do things which are dangerous, which are stupid, which whatever the case is, which we see it like that as adults because we can see the bigger picture. We have the experience or the background or the knowledge to understand what's, what's safe and what's not safe and what's good and what's not good and what's clever and what's stupid. But a kid, there's no difference. Just like the little baby is learning to crawl, he's going to put everything in his mouth. He'll put food in his mouth, he'll put toys in his mouth, he'll put garbage in his mouth. Go, what's wrong with him? Doesn't it? No, he doesn't know the difference. For him, it's anything can go in his mouth. Why not? And uh, therefore, there's the first Nakuda is whenever it comes to training a child, is to take into consideration that everything which is partial to you is not partial to them. Everything which you take for granted is obvious. They really didn't know that. They really had no idea. And therefore, it has to start with the point of even before a person can punish, like, why did you do that? Think, why was he meant to know not to do that? Why is he meant to not to do that? And that's the first point. The second point is to remember that when you're talking about little children particularly, again, for an adult, they remember. And they can make, and they have a certain sense of scar. And therefore, if I tell you, don't put your fingers into the outlets in this room, then you understand it means in any room. It's the same danger. Right? So then you expect them to, I already told you, don't put your fingers in the outlet. This room, the kitchen, the bathroom, what's the difference? It's the same problem. But for a kid, they don't necessarily have that developed cycle of understanding why you said it's awesome. And therefore, even if you manage to explain to your child and he'll listen to you that you don't put your finger in the outlet, but that's this outlet. You didn't talk about that one. That's a, the, to make a hechish, he's not holding by that. Right? He, he told him this. He listened to what he told him. Other things he didn't tell him. He doesn't necessarily have the dice to put the two together and understand that the same reason which applied here applies there. And therefore, that's the second point, which means even if I can explain something and... Uh, don't assume he'll necessarily understand on his own that other cases which are similar and therefore the same story should apply. It doesn't. You said it, you spoke about this. He understood you. That he didn't understand you. And the other point is the reason. 
because by us we have we, we have a developed sense of das, which means we can understand that uh, if this is asr, so then the reason why he's saying it's asr applies to that too. If this is dangerous, and that's dangerous also, it's the same thing. Whereas if a person doesn't know the reason, you're just giving him a rule, and he'll listen to you because that's the rule. But I don't understand the rule, so that's the case. I don't know why another case should be asr. I'll give an example for something which we as adults would have a question on. Right? A, a rule the Torah says which we understand the logic of. So we can understand ourselves where else it's going to apply. For example, if the, if the Torah says, as an example, right, the Torah says that, the Torah does say this, the Torah says that a, a person shouldn't makalo, uh, a person sh- uh, uh, his, his father. Makalo aviv, whatever it is, a dine, a person should makalo a dine. Okay, what about his grandfather? We understand, it's the same story. Right? The Torah says, don't curse other people, whatever it's going to be. So it doesn't mean dafka, the example the Torah gave. Other, things, other people do it. It's in the same category, don't curse. But the Torah says something, which you don't have a svarah for, it's a chok. So now I'm going to ask you about something else we really wouldn't know, unless we have more ideas. But from, just see, it all has what the Torah says. And the Torah says, for example, don't wear shatnas. So you can't wear wool and linen together. Okay, what about cotton and linen? The Torah didn't speak about that. So, uh, it happens to be it's mutter, but if, if even the Yitzhid would be also, we wouldn't be able to work there on our own, because we don't have a swara for it. The Torah says something, we do it, but how it applies to something else, we don't have the reason to, we don't have the, we, the, the, the logic to connect the one to the other one. And therefore, we wouldn't know what that is in a different case. And the same thing applies to a child, which means an older child can understand the reason. A younger child can't. You can just understand, you said no. But that was a chayk. But now it means this I can't do. Something else. Well, what's the one way to the other one? He doesn't see the cashier. And therefore, we'll start with that understanding. So then, the, a lot of the, so to speak, anger, frustration parents feel with the children is like, like it's such, why are you doing such a stupid thing? Or didn't I really tell you not to do that? Or whatever the case is. And most times, if you think from the child's point of view, He's not being bad. No, he didn't understand it was a stupid thing to do. And you didn't tell him not to do that. You told him not to do something else. He, did, he wasn't enough of a baldat to Makasha the one to the other one. So what, this is, you, you assume it's the same thing. He didn't assume like that. So therefore, the Nukud the has to be that there's a stage before the child can understand and there's a stage when the child can already understand. You can't wait until the child can understand in order to in order to, 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 to give rules. Just like you understand, uh, it comes to putting his fingers into the horses, or running into the street, or standing on, the, on top of the bars, in the, on, the, on the top of the bars in the balcony, whatever the case is going to be. He has to listen, he says, look, he doesn't understand it. And if that's the case, why am I giving him rules? Even if he doesn't understand, he's doing something dangerous. So I'm going to have to stop him. And uh, why, you stop? why can't I do it? Why can't I, walk? Why can't I run through the, across the street? So... For a little child, it's pointless to try and explain to me, we won't understand. And therefore, sometimes you've just got to take the approach. The wise will come later. You'll understand when you're older. Right now, you're not doing it. But that might work, and that needs to work for a little child who won't understand. I'm still going to have to enforce the rule. And uh, but, on the other hand, when he is old enough to understand, then I have to back it up with an explanation, because now it's useful to him. In other words, at the stage where, he can, where, he, where I can only enforce the rule without trying to explain it, it's not going to help. So I'm going to have to enforce the rule. At a stage where he can understand, it's good to explain. Because then he can understand himself where else would it apply. 
know it's dramatic, but will visual learning like help, like show them a video of somebody getting hit by a car? Uh, for little child. Like something to the extent, like. Yeah, the call. For, sorry? The call. My, my son last week crossed cross street with his friend, like two, three, three and a half year olds, because one of the kids like told me he's not across the street. So you're telling me not to start the street. I made up a story, a very scary story. Hold on, that. So I'll tell you. It's not always. Sometimes it's not always a good idea. No, to tell again, a kid is always understands that cars come fast and they hit people and people get very badly hurt. You can't play for, with your toys because you're injured and you're hurt. Uh, yeah, whatever it is. That to explain to him if he's old enough to understand is yes, but then we're talking about a three-year-old, a four-year-old who can understand. If I have a two-year-old who can walk but he can't understand. So you can tell him the story, why make a difference? You can show him the picture too, you understand anything to do with his street. Which is an important point. And therefore, both points are important. Every parent understands automatically, I have to protect my child from doing things which are dangerous, even though they understand. But the, the Chiddush I'm trying to say, that's an important point, is that when the child can start to understand, so it's not enough just to leave it in the gather of a chuk, right? because you said you can't, because it's dangerous. No, if he can start to understand reasons, then it's Kedai to explain the reason, because the more he can understand it, then the more, firstly, he can in, use it himself to, in, to apply to other cases. Uh, it's not unusual for like a child, you tell him, in the street outside his house, like, don't run across the street, it's dangerous. So let's say he's learned that. He won't run across that street, and what about a different street? In his mind, it's not the same thing. This is a different street. But if he's old enough to understand, any street is dangerous. Anywhere there's a car, you can get knocked down, and he's old enough to understand that, so then he himself can apply it to more cases. And therefore, like I said, there's a stage when it has to start with the attitude, we know what's best for you and don't ask questions. We're telling you what's the right thing to do. When you're older, you'll understand. Okay, so then we can explain more. And then when the child understands more, when the child understands more, so then he, we can give him a reason and he'll understand on his own where, to, where, to, where else it could apply to. The same thing applies to mitzvahs. The same thing applies to mitzvahs. Those mitzvahs which we want to be careful that our kids don't do the wrong thing even when they're small. So again, they won't understand. They won't understand. Therefore, we've, we've got to be the ones to step in for them and make sure they don't do something like that to do. And, uh, but when they get old enough to start understanding w- w- what the rationale is or what the reason is, not, I don't mean time mitzvahs, I mean the rules of the mitzvah. So that's the case. We can start explaining to them because then they can, on train the he's already at a stage with a certain amount, he can understand more. Don't the pro-smackers like, hold that when kids do not know how to rationalize, they do know how to rationalize with pain, or not a pain, or just uh, or a smack? The, I've never heard the t- title pro-smackers before. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. let's, let's say, when is a, when's a justification to, to use punishment, physical punishment? We'll talk about it. That's the show. But the... the we're not, but that's a second point. First, I'm talking about when you make a rule. When do you have to explain yourself and when don't you have to explain yourself? And the answer is how much the parent thinks the child's going to understand. Because if the child's not going to understand, then the explanation doesn't do anything. This is the rule. Um, when he, but when he is old enough to understand, then it's good to explain. Because then if, if he understands the reason for the rule, he'll, he'll use it more, he'll apply it more to other cases too. Um, let's just say, like, you have a new cases where you have a kid who's, what's it called, seven or eight, right? You want to, he wants to the Game Boy or something like that. 
all of the Game Boys are attached to the internet. So you have to take his Game Boy and, and make sure that you get a filter that there's no connection to the internet, right? Like he wants to know an explanation of what you're doing. So if I explain to him, no, I'm exposing him to a whole new thing that he has no clue concept yeah, so of. So you, obviously, you won't explain, you explain that to him. So what do you. So it's the same thing. The fee is age, you tell him. When you're older, looks you'll understand. I'll explain to you there. Which is a fair enough thing to say. You say, listen, when you're old, you'll understand better. Then I'll explain it to you. Now, and believe me, I know what's wrong. A child will take that? And then have an option. But it's not that, it's not that uh, again, I'm, I'm talking that I'm at the stage where the parent can still make the rules. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, it's like, what's the, why, what's the reason for the rule? Okay, sometimes you, I can explain it and you understand it. Sometimes I'm telling you, you wait a bit. When you're a bit older, come back and ask me. And I'll explain it to you and you'll be able to understand wouldn't that just make them more curious, though? What, what they're going to do? Right now, right now, that's what the rule is. Okay, we'll have to listen to it. This one, this one thing off topic, I don't want to avoid this question, but I'm just going back to what, what Aaron was asking about, like, the child crossing the street, um, you know, the Yema. So, Would, would, would Rebbe, like, Rebbe never really answer this question. Does Rebbe, does Rebbe, is Rebbe into the, the tactic of scaring a kid? Like, like that, that's, I, I felt like that was the only way through to have real understanding. So I'll say, I'll, say, I'll say again what I said before. The question is the age of the kids. If the kid's old enough to understand, you can explain to him why, why he shouldn't do that, it's dangerous, or why it's not a good thing to do, it's old enough to understand, explain it to him. If the kid's not old enough to understand, then I have to scare him. You know, as I, I, in a way that a kid will relate to that. And that's you can because you can't understand. You, you're going to get very you're going to be very badly hurt. Whatever the case is going to be, if you cross the road, even if he doesn't understand. But that's another point, and that is that we're talking about little younger kids, particularly. They they forget very quickly. They forget very quickly, and therefore, the the you might have told them not to do something, and t- tomorrow, even an hour later, you'll see them doing it again. And you think like I just told them not to do it. Like what? What? And the answer is, and the same. They forgot. They forgot. Something else took their attention. They forgot what you said. Now you must remember something. It, it sounds crazy. You talk about little kids like that, but this is a halacha. This is a halacha. The halacha is that if two people see someone about to be over in a bed, and they come and give him a masra, and say, "Rabbi, you're going to be over there, we're going to take it to base, and you're going to get malchus." The halacha is, if it was, he didn't do that very right away. There was a time gap between the, when you gave him a story and did that very you can't give him Marcus. He forgot. So what do you mean you forgot? I saw you better eat the cheeseburger. I warned you. You eat that burger, you're going to, it's you're going to get Marcus. And then five said you ate it. What, what did you forget exactly? That's the halacha. You forgot. In other words, that applies to an adult and it has halachic ramifications. We can't give a person Marcus. It applies to a child too. Now, Obviously, the question is what? We don't always justify everything that children that they forget. I'm talking particularly about little children. Particularly about little children that, uh, that they, what you tell them, a few minutes later they can forget. It's not something which is, it's not something which is uh, unlike, un- unusual. And what's an afghan in that? An afghan is poshet. And that is normally parents have a certain frustration that, like, I already told you the rule, I already told you you can't do it. Why, why, why don't you listen to me? And then it makes me want to punish because. But if you take from the attitude that he doesn't he has not know what you're talking about, he didn't remember. Or he doesn't understand this is the same as the other thing. Or he didn't even assume it was using the Sarpash as a problem. He didn't think it was a problem. So then if you start from his his point of view, he doesn't if you're going to punish him, he has no idea what you punished him for. Well, what's so bad about what he did? Uh, which is again a halacha. 
You can't punish a person before you warned him. And warning means right before he did the action, or else maybe he forgot what the warning was. And, and it's something over here. Therefore, of course, it means that you'll have to repeat the same things a hundred times every time you see a child about to do the same thing. But to, to take an attitude like he's Badafka trying to not listen, he's Badafka trying to be bad. Most, for most times, it's not the case. Definitely not for little children. They didn't realize, they didn't know, they didn't remember. Whatever the case is going to be is the more likely option. It helps because if we look at it as adults, we think it's a, a sign of rebellion, a sign of a kid who's definitely trying to do the wrong thing. It's not true. Normally, little kids especially, it's not like that. Okay, so that's the first point. We're going to talk about, and that is that, the Hanukha by a child, they don't know what's right, what's wrong, they don't know what, and they don't always understand the implica- the, where to extend the rules to so it's explained to them. The problem with sometimes giving rules, giving reasons for rules, is you get, you get into a debate if the reason applies or doesn't apply. Which is, again, we're not saying this by kids. The Gemara says it. The Gemara says, why doesn't the Torah give reasons for mitzvahs? And the Torah, Gemara, Gemara. The Gemara says, because there was one mitzvah that the Torah did give a reason for, and then people thought of a Chachamim got into a debate with Hashem whether it applied to them or not. Right, and what's the mitzvah? The mitzvah of a king shouldn't have too many wives. So the Torah says, you shouldn't have too many wives because it's going to make his heart stray from his obedience to Hashem. He has too many wives who are putting him in a different direction. So the Gemara says, Shlomo Melech came along and said, Shlomo was the super chachim, he was the wisest of men. He says, by me, it's not going to affect me. I understand the Torah's reason, but other people, not to me. And the Gemara says, Hashem says, as I said, I'm not giving reasons for the mitzvahs because you see, if I give reasons, people start to justify and it doesn't apply to them. And therefore, very accepted that this is what you have to do with that, explaining a reason. And that's also an important point to the And that is, like I said, for little kids, sometimes the reason doesn't help. They don't understand what you're talking about. They just have to make the rule. Sometimes for older kids, the reason is just the chesar because they're going to argue with you about the reason. They don't accept the reason. Like, it's not true. It won't apply to me. It's not like, uh, I won't be like that, whatever it is. And then what have I gained? Then this becomes a debate whether, whether, whether it's right or it's wrong. And therefore, sometimes it's better not to give a reason. For the same reasons before. Listen, one day, one day you'll be a parent, you'll understand very well where I'm coming from. Right now, it's hard for me to explain it to you. So just listen to me now. And when you're old, I'll explain it. And then there's nothing to argue about because I haven't given a, a Pesach to, 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 to get into, into invited discussion. Now, which means it needs a balance. And sometimes, like we said, it's helpful to give a reason because then the child understands where you're coming from and understands himself where to apply it. And sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's unhelpful because it just invites an argument or a discussion and, or a debate and you don't get anywhere. So, which category is which? So it's hard to give a, a, complete, a rule which will apply to every single case. But the derech klal, the nafkamin is like this. If what you're going to say is objective, in other words, it's not something which you can say it applies specifically to you. It's for everybody. So in that case, like that, there's less to argue about the rule. So I can explain it because it applies to everybody. If it's going to be something which is subjective, which means this is rules for you because for you or you need it or for you it's important or whatever the case is, then you, you just, you are, you are, you're inviting an argument because it's a, no, it doesn't apply to me. It shouldn't be like that. I'll give an example. Uh, most children, if you tell them that... Uh, something that they have to do which everybody has to do there's less room to argue 
Everybody has to do it, or no one's allowed to do that. Okay, I can explain the reason for it. There's, there's not, there isn't much to argue about. For example, if, uh, and I'm even talking about the Torah now, just even family rules or house rules, whatever it's going to be, if in your house you have a rule that when a person gets changed, they have to deal with their own dirty, dirty dog, they have to put it in the right place, whatever it is, a rule applies to everybody. So I can explain it, because there's nothing to argue about. It's a rule, everyone has to listen to the rule, it applies to everybody. I can even explain the reason for it. No, it just makes things more functional. It makes it easier for someone else to clean up to everybody. Whatever the reason you want to give, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't hurt to say, explain the reason like that. And the reason is that if everyone helps to make things easier, then instead of one person doing a job for five people, everyone does a little bit, it makes it easier. And now maybe a person will understand. It doesn't just apply to one area of the order. Maybe it applies to dirty dishes on the table. Maybe it applies to other things too. Okay, very good. There isn't much to argue about because it's a rule for everybody. But if you're going to make it a rule which is again specifically for him, or her, then you're going to then, then back to discussion. For example, if you're going to tell a child that you have to go to bed now. So if you're going to say, why? Because you need to sleep because you're going to be too tired tomorrow. Well, why not him? Why not her? Why not this? Well, why am I different? So once it's a rule which is specifically for them, so to speak, so of course, it's going to invite a discussion like why, 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 or an argument. Why, why, why am I that character? Why can't I be like everybody else? So if it's something which is a, a rule which applies across the board, never. Then I can explain. If, if our child does not understand, we all have to do this. And then you're going to get the same arguments. Only going to be to now find about find out about somebody who doesn't have that rule. So if if it's if something's a rule for everybody, it's normally accepted. The only argument is going to be when they come back and say, "I asked my friend in school, and they don't have that rule. And how, so why do we? Because then it's going to be the same thing. Once it's not for everybody, so then why are we like that? But a rule which is for everybody is normally accepted because. Understood. That's the way it's meant to be. But if it's just for one person, isn't that going to make that person more upset if they don't know why? Then I have to. I, I don't have to get into discussion about it. So if I not, so let's go to the next part. If I do have a, a certain rule, whatever this kid I know he needs more sleep. Or this kid I know he's whatever it is. The younger they need to I have to treat them a bit differently. Okay. So then I have to explain it in a way which doesn't invite a swara that they can argue. About. So this is yet when you're that age or when you're like that to have the same as them but right now it doesn't apply to you and therefore I have to, I have to, this is what I have to do with less of a room for discussion okay that's the that's the second point of making a rule now the last point and this is uh, something which a lot of today's psychologists talk about that is why make rules why not let people experience themselves uh, what happens if they don't have rules and then we made it they'll, they'll see that it's today to now, obviously, it doesn't apply to things which are a sakana. I mean, I want people to experiment and maybe killing themselves and seeing what happens. But I mean, no, things aren't such a sakana. Let them see themselves. And if they add rules, things are, don't work well. Why well, 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 enforce the system? The answer for that is cautious. And that is that there's a general principle, which we learn from, this, again, from the Tanakh, and that is when Shmuel Novi tells the Jewish people who wanted a king what the king is going to be like. So he decides the king is going to make rules. The king is going to make rules. Why does the king need to make rules? Maybe everything is running perfectly fine in society. The answer is the ability to have a rules means there's a certain sense of authority. And therefore, there's a certain, there's a certain concept that there's someone in charge. And then, yeah, people have to listen. That's the basis. 
someone who can make a ruling, someone who is in an authority position, to, that you have to listen to them. If there's no authority, then it's of course. In other words, the a, a parent loses his ability to be a parent if he doesn't implement in some way a system that child has to listen to. If everything is just do what you like, and there's no there's no sense of you have to listen to anyone. There's no sense of you have to someone's in charge, and you have to uh, you you you're you're obligated in some way. You shibber to them, so then you lose your only ability you have to mechanic. And this is about uh, one of Dora Melech's sons, Adoniyahu. And Adoniyahu eventually rebelled against his father. And the Torah says the reason. The Pasuk says, because Vilayat Savia Aviv Miyomi. Dora Melech never made any rules for Adoniyahu. He feared to do what he wanted. And that's the case. So he had no sense of authority for his father. Even his father was the king. Without making rules, without therefore implementing some form of authority, the person feels no sense of of respond of someone he is mishabut to, but even though the rest of Klai Israel feared his father because he was a king, but his son, his own son, didn't, and in the end rebelled against his father. And that's why the, it's not just in the Kuda of it's important to have rules for for the sake of the rules. Sometimes it's also important because it establishes a certain sense of authority, which is important. Uh, why is it important? Because that's the basis you're going to use to. to to, to one day to him to bring him to Torah. Which Chazal say. It says when it comes to the Pasuk of Yira, it says, Ish Aviv Imateras is the father first. Why? Because the father is meant to make a natural sense of respect for the father, the fact that the son listens to him, and that way he can guide him in Torah. And therefore, it doesn't start when the child is old enough to learn Torah. It starts younger. And that is, the child knows from a young age he has to listen to his father. The child knows from a young age he has to listen to his father. And then when it becomes listen to his father about about the mitzvah, so listen to the father about Torah as well. He's already learned that he has to listen to his father. How do you teach a child to listen? By making rules. And then tell you, you have to do this. And then again, a child, especially when they're small, is too young to, to make a cheshmer. Do I have to listen or don't I have to listen? And what's going to happen if I do? What's going to happen if I don't? Naturally, you tell them to do something. But that's in the default position for small children. They'll listen to you. And they get you, that gets in some into a habit of you tell something, they listen. You tell something, they listen. So they get used to building a sense of authority. Which is important. It's important because it's a tool you're going to use later to be able to direct them where you want them to go. Now, the important point here is obviously one doesn't want to misuse that authority. Right? It doesn't have to be a father to be a dictator. But there has to be a certain sense of uh, I tell them to do something to train them to learn to listen to me. And it's the to little children too because very often little children people think, ah, what's the point? You know, I ask them to do something, I'll just easy to do it myself. Or if I don't want to do something, I'll just take it away from them. What's the point of giving them a rule? The answer is it's important because it's a training. It's a training that they learn to, that this is something they have to listen to, and then that's a tool I'll use later to, as a way to bring them to Torah. As a way to bring them to Torah. One last point, and that is, and this is Pashit, there's no point giving rules if they're not going to be enforced. That's an that's out of place. It's to make rules and not enforce them is a waste of time. If anything, it's the opposite of Chinuch because you're training people and they don't have to listen to you. Because I said, yeah, you have to do this, and you don't do it, then what happened? Nothing. I don't have to do it. And therefore, if, if, it, if it's the rule that you, either you don't think you, you want to enforce, or you don't think you can enforce, then don't make it a rule. It's a waste of time. Uh, if, if anything, it's just training a person that they don't have to listen. It's only worth making a rule about something if you have a way, if you, you, you intend to follow up on it, and you have a way to do that. And I always give the marshal, uh, let's say, you know, the, in every country in the world, they have uh, one of the traffic rules is you're not allowed to 
You're texting on your phone when you're driving. Why? Because it's posh. People get into accidents. They're not watching the road. They're watching the screen. And they crash. So it's a very clear, a, a logical rule. It makes a lot of sense. In every country, if, if you're caught texting while you're driving, you'll get fined. It makes sense. So I have a question. You know, if people also crash because they space out when they're driving. So let's make a law. You can't space out when you're driving. So it'll stop a lot of accidents too. And what's the reason that you can't make such a law? It's posh. You can't enforce it. Yes, right, we're making a law. It's for uh, by penalty of a, a fine of a thousand dollars, whatever it is. You can't space out when you're driving. And what are you going to do about it? How are you going to catch somebody for the crime? There's no way to enforce such a law. And that's okay. So as maybe as, as logical as the law might be, but if it's a law which is unenforceable, there's no point making it. I'm just giving one example. There are many other laws like that also that might have been very logical things to do, but you have to think: can we, is such a thing enforceable? And if it's not enforceable, there's no point making it. And therefore, it's the same thing over here. And that is, if you're going to make rules, there always has to be something else. You have to think first, is there a way that I can make sure that it's being kept? Mm-hmm. Is there a way I can make sure it's being kept? Because if there isn't, so then as, as much as it might be a clever thing to do, but it's pointless. It's pointless because it doesn't go anywhere. I have no way to make sure that the person's doing it. It falls into two categories. The first one is, it has to be something which is, I know about it, the person's done or hasn't done. If I have no way of knowing what they did or didn't do, so how am I going to make it? what's the point of making the rule? You wouldn't know if they kept it or didn't keep it. And therefore, an, a rule which I won't be able to check out, was it being kept, uh, there's, no, there's no point making. And the second point is, a rule or whatever it is, which is too open-ended to, to ever decide if the person do it or not. So I can make something clear. Don't do that. Don't do that, whatever it is. That's something which, uh, which is clear. That's it. I say to a little kid, don't play with a knife. That's a very clear rule. But don't, don't touch knives even better. Don't touch knives. They're dangerous. So then, that's not a clear rule. And I can see, I touch enough. If I tell a kid, don't play with dangerous things, what's that meant to mean? What's in the category of dangerous things? It's unclear to me even what I meant. Definitely unclear to them. Right? So then, it's an unenforceable rule. What's, what's called a dangerous thing that you can't play with? And if that's the case, there's no way making such a rule. You have no way of following up on it. You have no of, of, of making sure someone does it. That's uh, the first point. The last, I mean, the second point, the last one you want to talk about. Again, the first point is, we said, whether you have to explain the rule or not to explain it, depends on what it's going to be. The second point, is it worth having certain rules? Yes, because it makes an authority, but then they have to have rules which are clear and are, are verifiable that you can check up on. And the last one you want to talk about. And that is that the, the argument always against that is, uh, why isn't the child going to feel that it's left? He told me to do this, I can't do this, I have to do this, I must do this, I must do that. Why isn't he going to feel that he's being killed or uh, a slave to a hundred things? The answer, the possible answer is, a person feels that they're a slave when I'm doing these things for you. If the point of the rules is not for me, it's for you. So then, you know, I'm not enslaving you, so to speak. If a parent would take a turn and say, fine, okay, so you have to bring me my shoes in the morning and you have to wash me, you know, make me a coffee and you have to wash the cup and you have to do this for me and do that for me, then maybe you start to feel like a slave. You make me do all these things for you. Now, is that welcome for Kippur to have? Yes, but not by dictating with so many rules. But uh, the point of rules is not for me, it's for you. And if I'm telling you, don't play with knives, it's not because I'm getting something from that, it's because it's dangerous. You can't play with knives. I'm telling you, I want you to clean up your things so they don't get ruined. It's not for me, it's for you. You clean up your things, not my things. And so whatever other rule is going to be, if the way I present it is, it's for you. 
it's for you. I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to lose your toys. I don't want you to whatever else is going to be. So then, if, again, he's learning to listen because I'm giving him the rules to do. But if the motivation is for him, for him, I'm doing what's, what the, I'm giving you these rules to help you. So he's not going to feel that his kilo, his mushuba to me that I'm enslaving him. But yeah, he's going to feel that uh, this is what I have to do. And if he's old enough to understand that, then even if he doesn't understand exactly why it's like that, even, but that's important. Uh, you know, if at night time, it is very common. If a, if a mother says to the child at night, hey, listen, I've had enough of you today. I want you to go to bed because I need some free time. Right? That's the wrong way to present it, even if it's true. Because he's saying you're doing it for me. But I'm just going to bed so that you can... It's like a famous joke, they have to say that. Uh, the tells a kid, listen, you have to put on a sweater because I'm cold. <laughs> if you're making that, that's the way you make the rules. Then, of course, the, parents, the child's going to think, I'm doing this for you. No, I don't want to do something. I don't want to be slain. But if you tell the child, it's for them. I said, listen, I can see you're too tired. Like, go to bed now or so you won't be able to get up tomorrow morning. Okay, it's for them. They might not agree, they might not be happy about it, but I never made it, I'm making you do things for me. I'm making you do things for you. It's what's good for you. And if that's the case, then it doesn't have that, that negative element of either a person feels that they, they're being enslaved to somebody. And again, I've, uh, like everything else in Chinuch, I base that as a terror. The Torah says in the last person of Barsha Yitzchanan, Ba'yitzavayna Hashem la'asiz eskola mitzvah sa'ele, Hashem get told to all these mitzvahs, le'toiv lo'anuf kola yomim. It's not like Hashem saying, do this for me. Hashem doesn't need it. All the mitzvahs are for you. Are for you. Are you enslaved to Hashem? Hashem is working us too hard? No, He's not doing it. It's not for Him. It's for us. It's for your benefit that you keep it. The toiv lo'anuf. If that's the attitude we have, we don't feel we're being enslaved. On the contrary, they're rules. We have to listen to the rules. But at the end of the day, we understand that the the driving force behind them is the intention of what's good for the child. What's good for the child. And if that's the case, and there isn't that sense of kilo or being stifled or being oppressed or whatever the case might be by being forced to, to do so many things.